Charles. Charles. So this is what becomes of us. Eric was right. Humanity does this to us. Not if we show them a better path. You still believe? Just because someone stumbles, loses their way, it doesn't mean they're lost forever. Sometimes we all need a little help. And welcome back to A Stark Contrast, where we discuss the differences and similarities from Marvel Comics to their MCU counterparts. And we are your hosts, Jeffrey. And I. Hello, hello, and welcome back. Hello. Everybody. Welcome back. Hi. There's a lot going on. (laughs) There is a lot. (laughs) A lot of things have just been (laughs) dropped in the last week. Oh, my god. Maybe less than a week. And it always happens, right? Like, it's like, we're about to record. We're getting hyped up on recording. And then it's like, we're going to release, like, a bunch of information. Like, okay. Yeah, but thankfully, it released before we recorded. Whereas sometimes it releases, like, literally after. The day after after. we record. Yeah, Yeah, so, I mean... Right up the top, some notable news here in the Marvel Universe. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 stuff is officially dropping everywhere. Oh, yeah. And so the the sneak peek posters, you know, they, somebody leaked the posters that show the white borders with the character focuses on them. Uh-huh. Those are all out. The, the exclusive look is out. This interview with James Gunn, Karen, and Chris is out. Like, all this stuff is dropping left and right. And it's still a month out, so we've got a. I'm sure there are still a few other things coming down the pike. Um, I'm very excited and also very sad because <laughs> it's happening so quickly. Um, but yeah, so if you haven't yet, tickets are officially on sale. So go get you some of that. I have done my my usual <laughs> run, <laughs> but I'm I've amped it up from the just the Thursday Friday, and I was telling Jeff this before we recorded, but. I'm doing the Wednesday uh, triple marathon <laughs> for the film franchise and then perhaps rolling into a Thursday afternoon mm. screening and then the fan event on Friday evening mm. as one does. <laughs> I'm seeing it on Friday with Guy. <laughs> she would have already seen it Three, twice, twice. <laughs> by the time twice. I watch it for the first time. Dude. <laughs> Man. I don't know, right? Like, ugh. I haven't. And it's rare that I, I've done that. To be honest, like two usually, that seems about normal. But like to do three nights in a row of the franchise. It's not even the three nights in a row. It's one's the marathon. Yeah. Both two hour movies. Yeah. The first two. And then the third. At which the is end. two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Insane. I know. Love it. Love that for you though. <laughs> I know. Oh, God. It's so devastating. Um, so, yeah. So, so aside that and the, the Guardian's official takeover, um, Secret Invasion is officially invading as well with the new trailer that just dropped. Yes. I keep forgetting. It feels so cinematic to me that I keep forgetting it is a streaming show. Sh- is it a show or is it a No, movie? it's a show. It's a show, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I keep forgetting that it's streaming on Disney Plus and it's not like a, it's not a film thing. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh yeah. So that's super exciting. Yeah. 
I mean, and I'm sure there's more to come with that as well. And that drops end of June. Yes. So they still have about a good two months. Yeah, of the trailer looks, trailer's good. I'm excited to see like where they go with the story. Yeah, especially because it has been a minute since we've gone down the spy thriller drama vibe yes like you know with all this especially this last week you know it's been nine years since captain america the winter soldier has been released so and i feel like that was really the The, last true i agree spy thriller that the mcu has had so so that's it's exciting to get that vibe back yeah um and yeah there's been there's a few surprises that have been revealed in the official imagery as well yes and so I hear some rumblings that Amelia Clark's character has apparently been in the MCU already. Yeah. But just obviously not her. Because, uh, you know, scrolls. <laughs> I know. When I, <laughs> when I was doing my homework, when I opened the Marvel Unlimited app for the uh-huh. comics, they now prompt you with a scroll like uh. thing. And it's like, get prepared for the invasion. And it's like, ah, here we go. <laughs> I see what you're doing here. Yeah, right? Like, ah, you marketing. Um so aside that, I mean, just when you think, oh, okay, cool, here comes Spider-Verse. <laughs> it's like, I can't handle it. smacked you in the face yeah. at 10 at night, I think. I was, was like, like, what? Monday. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And then Jeff just, like, very coolly, like, texted me, like, so that Spider-Verse trailer looked pretty good. <laughs> it looks amazing. Yeah, and so... um. We were chit-chatting about this before recording as well. And yeah, it's it, they're throwing the curveballs. You know, they're cutting the trailers to really kind of throw you off a bit yeah. of what the context is. Like, you know, the first teaser I felt very much framed Miguel O'Hara, who's Spider-Man 2099, in a very villainous sort of way. But with this new trailer or the official trailer, it definitely feels more like, oh, no, there's there's something there's more. There's something underlying to going that story. on here. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know, we might see some things with Miles Manifest uh, one way or another. And that movie drops in June as well. So, it's we're officially, it's officially go time. Yeah. It's go time. It's almost, Marvel. it's almost, yeah, almost summer, basically. Yeah. Whew. Okay. Well, you know, hopefully we'll get to go to one of these premieres. Jeez, <laughs> Louisa, come on. We're still here, people. <laughs> Haven't <still> left. Waiting. <laughs> Haven't left. Come on, James. I know you can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so so that's really exciting. And um, with that said, we can just roll on in to all the good stuff. Uh, so for t- for this episode's giveaway, I, you know, I racked my brain because anyone who really really knows me knows that I have a a bunch of X Men stuff. And I have collected X-Men stuff over the years and and I still have stuff that is unopened and whatnot. And so initially I was like, oh, maybe we just won't give anything away this time. But you know what? We're, for this episode, it's going to be a bit of a doozy. I have a near complete set of 1992 X-Men trading cards that we're going to give away Ooh. to help kick off our foray into into the X world, um, you know, because Professor X, yeah, you know, this is our first X-Men, true X-Men character mm-hmm. that has just very barely dipped the toe into the MCU world crossover. So, so it's got to be something special. So if you'd like to win that prize, just listen throughout the show for the key phrase and then DM us on Instagram or Twitter for your chance to win. Just shoot us a message by next Friday after this episode drops, and it could be yours. So, 
Just a reminder, we're not experts and we don't claim to be. We're just a couple of nerds nerding out. <laughs> that said, right up front, if you were to print this character's full bio- uh, biography out of Wikipedia, I'd, I'd never thought to do this. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it this time just to see what it looks like. Really? Because, you know, Jeff always asks me, how, how, how long are we looking here? And I'll tell him how many pages I've written. So... On Wikipedia, if you hit that control print on Professor X, he would be a solid 35 pages long. Wow. And that's just Wikipedia. Wikipedia. And you know, Wikipedia doesn't yeah, get yeah, too yeah. granular, right? They, they, they cover bases, but 35 solid pages. We're not doing 35 solid pages today. That is a lot. Thankfully. <laughs> so, so that said, we are most certainly not going to get that extensive with this character, but, you know, we'll see what transpires. Yeah. Count your blessings. So... Professor X, the man himself, uh, leader of the X-Men, created by two names we haven't heard in a minute, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Wow, it has been a while. It's been a while. It has yeah. been a while. Um, so back, back to the gold and silver age, most, mostly silver in this case. Um, and the professor's first appearance, X-Men number one, September 1963. And so now if you were to look up this issue, it's referred to as the uncanny X-Men. But back in the day, they were simply the X-Men. And so I have the cover here for you, Jeff. It's pretty iconic. You might have seen it one way or another, like be it in a shop or on a trading card or in Ross. Yeah. Like they have those those superhero-like matted frames that you yeah. can buy. It's, it's going to be that classic image. And so... Um, I don't know if you saw the cover price, but do you want to guess how much this comic cost back in the day? Oh, this is the first. The first issue, 1963. I'm going to go with good old trusty <laughs> oh, no. 25 cents. Oh, 25? Really? Well, friend, I got to tell you. So whopping twelve. Damn. <laughs> yeah, they they they. A diamond two pennies. A diamond two pennies, man. That's crazy. Who knows, right? And so so twelve cents back in the day. This one's this one's got quite a value to it today, for obvious reasons because it has been in pop culture. You know, they have been in pop culture for so long. Um, and so, uh, scoping on Shortbox, the highest that I found available at the time of my homework was a CGC 4.5, which isn't great. Oh my gosh. But a 4.5, imagine, goes for $42,000. That's insane. Dollars. Yeah. That's crazy. That's, a 4.5, not even halfway. It's, it's not even halfway. That's crazy, Yeah, man. and so on eBay. Says a lot. Yeah, and and here's the thing, right? On eBay, I found a CGC 6.0. So this is a this is 1.5 percent, 1.5 grade higher. The difference, forty two thousand, eighty thousand. Almost double, pretty much. Almost double, and it's only 1.5 more. So, if you can imagine, <laughs> it goes up from there. And so, um, I don't know. You could probably get this book. At auction, it's one of those instances, and we've talked about this as far back as our Captain America episode, that issues and comic books of this importance are going to, you cannot just go into a store 99% of the time and be like, oh, I'm going to take that X-Men number one. You have to go to auction 
to purchase it because they need <laughs> they need all of that you know like yeah. are you gonna follow through with the payment do you have this much money on you and so um so yeah you could imagine that this would easily come across as like a if you got a 9.0 9.5 i don't know two million maybe three maybe more mm-hmm. who knows you know it's, it's a lot of money and so um Whereas the lowest graded version of this book, a CGC 1.0, this is barely together, can still draw six grand. And then um, on eBay, <laughs> this is the this is something new that we've never actually explored before. But on eBay, there was a CGC NG. So NG <laughs> means no grade. It's so bad. There's no grade. <laughs> So this this person got their comic graded with an NG. That sucks. There's no cover. There's probably no back cover. You can you can't tell it's the comic unless you know what the first page is. So even at a no grade, it's still worth thirty seven hundred dollars. <laughs> what yeah so the book could be completely what is that thing in that plastic shell but because it's labeled and it's identified as x-men number one you can still get about 3700 that, that's the thing right it's like it's at that point it's just somebody who's like they want to say they just want to have i that. have it i have x-men number one there's a lot of people like that yeah there's a ton of people like that right it's the clout yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, it's 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 an interesting thought. There's also another thing uh, that I stumbled across that is quite rare, um, but kind of common for Silver Age. There was a CGC 3.5 listed as a double cover. So this uh, is this is an old printing issue where oh, on the yeah they accidentally there's two covers, just two covers. There's just two. There's double. Like it just got stuck together, but. Even at 3.5, that double cover mistake can rake you an eighty-three thousand. Because it's a rare, it's a rare, because it's rare a thing. rare occurrence. Yeah, 3.5. <laughs> it's like mm. yellow pages. Some corners are like torn off. Dude. Staples are probably all of that, and you can still get eighty-three grand for it because there was just a simple misprint or a, a miss—I don't know what you would call it. Incredible. That's crazy. Yeah, and that's all because it's the X-Men. So um, it's, I don't think it's too rare that you can find a Lucy, but there are a lot of folks, you know, that are just like, I have it, I didn't care to grade it, you can buy it for me. Um, who knows if they're legit, but I've seen one on eBay for about $3,900. Um, so yeah, if you want, if you got four grand just burning a hole in your pocket, you can go buy an <laughs> X-Men number one. You don't want to pay off debt? You can go ahead and <laughs> exactly. own that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so there's that. Um, so yeah, what, what was your first exposure to, to Professor X? The OG himself. The man. OG. It had to be the 2000, mo- 2000 X-Men movie, right? Sir Pat's. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Has to be. So Has nothing to be. before that. I don't think so. Not no. even the cartoons. I didn't grow up watching X Men. Yeah. Ninety seven. Yeah, I think yeah. I had. I knew it was there, but I didn't grow up watching. What, yeah. what channel was it on? It was Fox. So it was eleven. It was f- Saturday mornings. Eleven. Mm-hmm. So Saturday morning. I think it was ten o'clock. I was switching between a lot of Saturday morning oh, cartoons. Really? So I went from like Nickelodeon. From like uh, not not even like those like the the, mm. the regular channels too, where it's just. Like, you know, Static Shock, Yu-Gi-Oh, mm. 
um, Animaniacs. Wow, Yu-Gi-Oh was on that far back? Really? Wow. Okay. I think for me, at least. Yeah. I mean, that's what I... But yeah. I, well, I just... I don't remember religiously watching X-Men mm-hmm. 97. 92. 92. Sorry. There you go. Almost 97. Yeah. 97 comes well, out this year. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't really remember watching that and yeah. being like fully invested. It was mostly yeah. like, yeah, a lot of... Because by your time, especially, it was reruns if they were still playing yeah. them. And then- I, was like, I was watching the Jackie Chan animated show. There was a Jackie Chan? Yeah. Oh, you know what? I vaguely remember Yes. That. With like the stones and like yeah. these things. Yeah. So <laughs> I was watching that a lot. So it wasn't up until like comic book movies were becoming more of like a like a thing when the X-Men, when the first X-Men universe yeah. started. So definitely Sir Pat's for sure. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty rad. Yeah. What about yeah. you? <laughs> what about you? <laughs> um, you know, it, it's... It, and I think I've I've said this before, but it's kind of like it's it's like a blur, right? At ninety two, it's a blur for me because I was I was about nine years old, and so I can't quite remember if it was a comic book that I saw at Toys R Us first, uh-huh. or an action figure, or it was the TV show. So it was mm. one or one or the other, but it was definitely almost immediate. So. If it was the cartoon that I immediately saw the toy or I recognized the toy and the comic books at Toys Wrestling, like, oh, I saw that TV show. That's cool. I remember that. Um, but yeah, very distinctly, I would say it's the show. The show kind of rolled around. It was it debuted on Halloween of 1992. Whoa. Yeah. And so, I mean, I was probably dressed as a ninja <laughs> <laughs> that time. And so it resonated with me very quickly. And so, yeah, after that moment, I did start to, rem- I, I remember seeing it everywhere. And so that's when I used to tell my parents like, oh, I saw a store that has like comic books and stuff on whatever street that was, West Coast Fantasy. And so, you know, they had like Mickey Mouse posters and stuff in the window, but also the X-Men. And so I recognized both things and I was like, I want to go inside. And then that's when the whole thing of me pilfering like quarters from my parents started because I would buy trading cards and that's how we are here today. You know, <laughs> like I would just be like, mom, I'm going to have a dollar <laughs> <laughs> and I would buy, a, you know, a pack of cards and stuff. And so it really started with that and it flourished even more because yeah, the cartoon. And then with that, then you start to notice things. And so even with, with the ice cream man, you know, mm. like the ice cream man will roll around Ninja Turtles, you got yeah, yeah. You know, all these ca- cartoons and they used to have <laughs> this really where there was an ugly Spider-Man. There was also an ugly Cyclops. <laughs> there was a Cyclops. Oh one. my gosh. Yeah. And so that was like the fruity one. I think the one that I liked more didn't come until a little later and it was like a full-fledged X-Men ice cream bar. And so it had like a biscuit with a hero printed on it and the other part was just vanilla and chocolate with a chocolate X in the middle. Mm-hmm. And it, if I don't know if this is lost on you, but other people might know, they had these WrestleMania ice creams. Oh, shoot. Basically the same thing. <laughs> they just rebranded it as X-Men. And, and you know, a funny uh, additional anecdote to that is that when I was you know, a wee baby, I collected those religiously because they came with different cards on the back. And mm. so the box itself, you could just cut out the little card and then there's a trading card. Oh yeah, I remember those. Yeah. yeah, and so the X-Men one was particularly special because they're worth a lot of money now, I guess. Yeah, Because I could see that's why. the only time that they were available. Yeah, that and makes so sense. And so I have a full set 
Mm. I have a full set. And the one, the the very last card, or one of the cards at least, that's Jean Grey, I have still connected to a box. Whoa. And so that full set is worth, I don't know, I think a grand right now. <laughs> and my friends, my friends at Cadence were like, Cadence comic comics were like, cash in. And I was like, ah, I don't know, man. That took me a long time as a kid. You know, like, I don't know if it's worth it yet. Like, maybe. I mean, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, you might have to at some point. At some point, yeah. And I was like, dude, but I never in a million years would have expected they would have been worth anything. Yeah. No one thinks that them. when you're yeah, first buying stuff. 100%. I just I just kept them because I like them. And I thought they were cool. And they were, they're ugly, but they're cool. And um, and yeah, so, so that my childhood was like absorbed in x-men like i just loved x-men yeah and it and and my mom just kind of like almost resented the fact that i did skew so much more tomboy than than just a regular girl like sure. i liked barbies sure yeah but, and i but i, I was like i really like the simpsons and i really yeah. like tmnt yeah and i really like x-men and so you know i would have a barbie but then I would be like, I want a Bart Simpson doll. I want a Leonardo toy. And then I wanted X-Men stuff. So, and it didn't help that, you know, back in the day at the arcades. So when I was also growing up, Street Fighter was a big thing for me. And they also had an X-Men game. And so it's that giant one that has four players and you could play for, you know, it's like an endless play. Um, and you can choose from one of the, the classic X-Men and so that was a huge thing too. So they were really, you know, they really ingrained in themselves in my my childhood. So, so yeah, it's it's interesting wow. to look back. That on. is a deep, deep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know the the wild thing is is that I have this pile of cards here, and um, believe it or not, Jeff, I have so many. You know, a lot of my trading cards are X Men skewing. Mm -hmm. That these sheets alone that feature Professor X, this is only the first folder. This is only from the first folder. That's crazy. So I pulled out five sheets of trading cards from my collection <laughs> that feature Professor X in some way, just so Jeff could see them. And yeah, it's just from the first of four folders. And I think I have two two other um, sets that I haven't even put in plastics yet. But um, since we're there, I'll pull out one of these cards and read you <laughs> the backing. And you know, it's been a, a while since we've actually had a tangible card oh, to read. <laughs> but um, so this one hails from the 1994 X-Men Ultra Flare, Flare Ultra. I always used to get those mixed up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Flare Ultra set of X-Men cards. And um, this says, Professor X may possess the greatest mutant mind on earth, but his awesome mental powers are nothing compared to the greatness of his dream. A dream of peace between mutants and humans. The dream his X-Men fight for every day. <laughs> Which is, yeah. Yeah. He is like the face of like the mutants, right? Like he yeah. believes in them. That's what it is, right? You know? Yeah. The heart and soul of Yeah, like mutant he believes kind. just because they're gifted. Right. Doesn't mean they're, you know weird and should be ostracized is that a word is that the right. word Ostracized, yeah, 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 yeah. like yeah you know they shouldn't be divided just for being yeah. different right and so that that's the whole overarching like uh analogy of the x-men right yeah. they're representational of the people that are uh 
not included that are that are ostracized that are different or different race or different creed you know all which that is why stuff. i love days of future past mm. that's my favorite movie oh really yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. oh you know <laughs> so in doing this i was only gonna watch x-men one really i was only gonna watch i watched all every i watched every single one you're insane what did i do with my weekend i was like ah i watched the entire x-men series there's a lot dude it's it's not like watching like a trilogy or something no it's it's a lot it's a lot and i didn't even watch the other films i didn't watch the the, the splinters you know what i mean i didn't watch doctor strange or wolverine or anything and so i I stayed true to the x-men series itself and i went the entire entire way crazy yeah and so um so yeah that's the 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 you know, as we get into this discussion with uh, about Professor <laughs> with Charles Xavier himself, here he comes. Here's our third mic um, on Professor X. Yeah, you're gonna find the the overarching theme of him is exactly the same. It's exactly as you see it in the film. It's exactly as it read on the back of the card. But going back further, you know, they, this character has been around six since '63. Long time. This is this is literally its 60th anniversary. Um, coming up. And so this character has a lot of lore behind him and the, where, where there was, you know, um, space to define stuff, they've officially started filling in those gaps. Right. Cause like how, how pure can the character be for so long without some sort of some writer coming, you know, along someday and being like, you know what? I'm going to bastardize his character. <laughs> and so a few of these these nuances we're going to talk about right off the bat with his origin story. These are this first one is something that did stem uh, a little more in modern times. And so when we first meet Professor X in 1963, he's already established he's in a wheelchair, he's bald, mm. he's got telepathic powers and he wants his team of students to help mutant kind and humankind alike. Yeah. And so in modern times, going further back than that, we get to see more of the origin story of this character. And so he was brilliant before he even popped out of the womb. <laughs> and so a telepath of his prowess, he's actually it was revealed that he was actually a twin. Uh-huh. And so while his mother was pregnant, it's one of those age-old incidents that you almost hear more about with animals. But he sensed that his twin was was evil oh. and they had like a mental psionic battle in the womb. In the womb. Oh my God. So much so that the twin miscarried and was removed from the mother. Oh my gosh. The mother miscarried. And so Charles ended up being the only child that was born naturally. Um, and you know, with nascent powers, which it's basically he's been latent. He's had latent talent since the get go. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And, and so fast forward all that time, Charles is then 16 years old. And then he graduated from Bard College <laughs> with a bachelor's degree in biology after just two years. So he entered college at 14 and he graduated with a degree. 16, he's fresh out. He's like, cool, great. I'm going to go. I'm going to go travel the world and I'm going to find people who are like me because he's already aware that he has this ability um, to read minds and, 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 you know, focus on that talent. And so at the root of this character, um, it's just like the, the card says, 
he dreams of mutants and humans coexisting peacefully, um, protecting humanity from, from evil mutates while safeguarding innocent mutants from human oppression. So again, it's like you're kind of thinking about the era that the story was conceived, right? 60s. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the mingling of races and, and, you know, there's more inclusivity. And so they're very representational of that idea, even if they weren't featuring, you know, non-white characters yet, they were they were trying to hone in on that story and that focus, which is pretty pretty amazing if you think about it. So that whole sentiment is is really something that propels Professor X from the get-go, you know, stemming from uh, the very research his own father was a part of. And so um, we'll talk we'll talk about it, you know, throughout this episode. But but yeah, it's it's something that he learns from his parents and and the the unifying and acceptance of those that are different instead of being afraid or hating what they don't understand, which is a a, a line and phrase that has been rewritten in the movies, in the comics. You'll hear it here and there. Um, and you know, that said, there are a lot of things that the films have amalgamated over the last. 20 years that the character has been featured in live action which is kind of wild to think about for the record like we're like whoa you know 10 years since you know captain america or whatever professor x has been in the cinematic universe on his own for 20 years now that's crazy <laughs> that's half my lifetime which is kind of wild to think about um but you know many of the base facets are are absolutely true and um among those being that his longtime uh, friend is Eric Lenscher, a.k.a. Magneto, um, someone Charles met in his younger days while he was globetrotting, trying to find other mutants. Um, and so, you know, I, I wanted to, I didn't want to get too far into uh, things that weren't so important, but one thing that is very important is is the aspect that he is indeed paralyzed. Um, and it's interesting because, you, you know, people are like, oh, well, he's Professor X, why can't he just make his legs move and it's like well one he's not necessarily a telekinetic which is that's the movement part but it is a valid point and so i found a funny uh anecdote uh about (laughs) about professor x that best explains how he's paralyzed in the first place Mm -hmm. and so during the film the filming of the first x-men film um sir pats asked director brian singer about Professor X's inability to walk. He was like, "Why? Why is my character in a wheelchair? Why is he, you know, trying to understand? He's trying to understand the character, right?" And so, as it goes, this is now Brian Singer. Um, he he says, "Well, the comic book says that after traveling to Israel, Professor Xavier went to Tibet, where he encountered an alien agent named Lucifer." Uh, Lucifer had holed up in a castle, so Xavier tra- uh, railed, uh, rallied the Tibetan fighters um, to assault the castle, and this angered Lucifer, and so he dropped a giant rock on the professor, and if you see the comic, it's like a giant, I don't know, like a giant concrete rectangle, like, you know, like something yeah, you see yeah, on the freeway. Yeah. Uh-huh. He dropped it on the professor. Yeah. And of course, it's from the hips down. Of course. <laughs> and, um, and, and Sir Patrick just looked at Brian and said, I like your version better. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I don't, I guess, I don't know if they had discussed the reason why at that point in the films, but you know, it was it wasn't it didn't include alien named Lucifer and all yeah. that crazy stuff. So 
So, uh, you know, it's after it's after that incident in the comics that Charles finally rallies his efforts to recruit the young mutants and then open his school for gifted youngsters that we know today. And so Professor X, of course, played by uh, Sir Patrick Stewart in the original X-Men cinematic universe that is apparently Earth designation 10005. Nice. So they do have one. And, okay. And then uh, also portrayed by James McAvoy in the later films and as a child by Lawrence Belcher. So yeah, first scene in X-Men 2000, directed by Brian Singer with music by Michael Kamen. And then last scene in Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, mm-hmm. 2022. 22 years after Earth debut. That is crazy, that's man. That's so wild, you know, and it's so crazy. That is, yeah, that's a long tenure for a comic book character. It's, sh- it's gigantic. It's the longest, right? I think it's funny, like, the fact that <laughs> Charles and Wolvie are coming back. Yeah. Is like so like insane to me. Yeah, like in a good way. In a good way. Because like way. when you when you when you watch Logan, you're kind of like, oh yeah, oh, this is yeah, this is a nice curtain call for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like, oh, <laughs> when you open up the multiverse, anything is possible. Anything is possible, <laughs> right? Because then you don't have to. There doesn't have to be a definitive logical reason for anything. Yeah. Like, so what if he's older? Yeah. That's fine. He can be older. He doesn't have to be the fresh young Daisy that he was in 1990. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even in 2000, like, sure, he it's it's kind of mind-blowing to go back and watch it because he was so much younger then. He was, like, 54, maybe? Yes, probably. And, you know, and now like. he's, like, 80, 90? Seven, well, is he? 70, 80s? I thought he 80? was older, maybe. yeah. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, he's been in this game for so long as that character, but... Not so much that it like completely overtook his career, you know what I mean? And and he's done the same with George Picard. I was gonna say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like he's iconic yeah. role in Star Trek. So. Exactly. And so so it's been kind of wild to watch the character go through all these motions and, and be in different areas of the Marvel universe. Yeah. You know, it's it's just the coolest thing to me. Um so yeah, like rewatching it, honestly, I felt like it it still stands up. It holds up so well. Does the first it? one is spe- like, you know what? Not even just the first one. Like, honestly, they all do. But I do cringe at the same time that I used to in 2000. <laughs> like, some of the puns are really bad. Sure, yeah. And, uh, but, but overall, oh my gosh. Ahead of its time. Ahead of its time for real. Like, it had to be. Right. It had to be. Right. Like, from the opening sequence. Like, what I thought was really funny. Maybe, maybe you can expand on this a bit. But, like, was it just something in the 2000s where all the films were like let's make like a genetic dna cgi yeah. intro yeah yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> so, definitely a thing yeah because i was like wow almost every every single one at least of the first three have this dramatic introduction of like going into the dna of a mutant i guess of, of some sort yeah that sounds about right because <laughs> yeah, spider-man did it too but with with like webs and such right yeah it's it's so 2000 you gotta you gotta, so you gotta reel in the audience you know? <laughs> yeah and so so when i was rewatching it i was just like man it was still so good like the leather the tech i mean it's kind of funny but it's truly classic for for 2000 yeah y2k yeah yeah it was wild and i remember watching that like the back of my hand too like and this was back in the day when you you had to there was no reserved seating 
And so my friend and I went, I don't think we went to a midnight showing. Maybe those weren't around yet, but we, it was, we got there on time and the only seats that were left were in the first two rows. Wow. So the first time I ever saw that film, I was like... Oh, this is before reserved seating too. <laughs> yeah, so oh, that like, was so ah, stressful, man. Yeah, super duper stressful. Gosh. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, but still it was, it was such a, it's, it had such a, it was such a moment, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And so in that first film, you know, we, yeah, we're introduced to Professor X and, and you kind of get the from the get-go that he is this incredibly powerful mutant and he's got his team yeah, and the whole relationship with, with Magneto played by Sir Ian McKellen. Um, and then, you know how it's, it's almost like, it's almost like the, the perfect storm, right? They're friends, but they're, they're also bitter rivals at the same time, mm-hmm. which makes for a good story when it comes to heroes and, and villains yeah. and, and all that. So of the three, the first three at least, <laughs> which one is your favorite? Is it X2? Oh, man, that is tough. It's tough, right? It is tough. Because before, let me just say that before I rewatched everything, I was like, X2, 100%, X2. And then I sat there after I watched them one, I was like, actually, I don't know. Like, one and two are incredibly strong. I mean, then everybody remembers, you know, The Last Stand. You know what? <laughs> I'm gonna say it right now. It's not as bad as I remember. It was pretty it's still wonky. Not great. It was wonky. It's wonky. It was wonky. Wonky's a great word for it. Because it's it's not great, but it's not as bad as I remember like it. Gene Gray just went crazy Dude, in I that movie. Like, That's all I remember, man. <laughs> just like, and I just remember Logan everybody. being like, nah. <laughs> Dude. I was like, what is going on? Here? Yeah. Yeah. The whole dramatics of it. That's yeah. So the funny. Phoenix Force, right? And 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 of course, you know, not to shy away from the the McAvoy era, but they then doubled down and did it again, you know, with, with Sophie Turner. Yeah. And so so rewatching it just for for the sake of clarity, X-Men, X-Men 2, X-Men The Last Stand, then Days of Future Past apocalypse and the dark phoenix and so i watched all six of those in order um and yeah it's like honestly i i couldn't pick a super duper favorite but i'm i'm gonna i think i'm gonna stick more with x2 because they did introduce more yeah they introduced more characters and also there are a lot of easter eggs riddled throughout them but what i did realize halfway through and then at the end i was like Men, so the the Sir Patrick Stewart era of the movies is very much a Wolverine trilogy, period. Yeah, just call it what it is. And then the McAvoy era is very much a Magneto trilogy because they're both. That's fair. Yeah, they're the the goats of of each era. <laughs> to be honest, they're the they're the standout performances. But um, McAvoy really did bring a lot to the character. To Professor X, at least. He did. Um, he brought his own flair on it. And yeah. it's like a, a fresh new take that, yeah. obviously, because we've been so used to Sir Pat's, yeah. you know, throwing McAvoy in as a young one and he's not in his wheelchair, like, yeah. completely the whole time when, yeah. you st- when you first meet him. So, yeah, yeah I, I, thought like, it, I thought it was good. Yeah, I feel like they, they they also had a lot of room to character build with him um, versus Sir Patrick, you know, like, they, they did cover a lot of ground with Sir Patrick, but 
James McAvoy really got, like you said, you know, he really got to kind of play around like not only different eras, but also different uh, adversaries, you know, um, across the three films that he was in. Yeah. And then the crossover with Days of Future Past, which is... Yeah, which is an insane concept. Which is kind of wild because, like, you know, people are like, whoa, Doctor Strange or Spider-Man, you know, Far From Home, but it's like, well... I'm like, have you guys watched Days of Future Past? (laughs) Days of Future Past did it (laughs) first. (laughs) Yeah, and and I remember the marketing for that alone was was kind of mind-blowing because they had those posters where they would feature, like, Sir Pat's in the background, and then on the X Mm -hmm. is James McAvoy, and I was like, dang... They're really doing this, and yeah. like, and they did it very well. I thought, it, yeah, I thought it was great. That movie was really, really good. Um, and so, yeah, as we get into the, the to the greater bits about this character, we have a listener comment from Ariel Tima. Um, who played him better, Sir Pat or Sir Hot McAvoy? Well, I mean, <laughs> I think she has a preference. Yeah. Very obvious. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think we'll be we'll. Pa- Sir Patrick is like the blueprint. So oh, 100%. I'm going there. Yeah. But like we said, McAvoy kills it. Yeah. He and did like very... what he was given with the character and yeah. where he t- took it. Yeah. I think that whole cast was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like that that new young cast. Oh, the first class cast. The first class yeah. cast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, um, what's, what's, uh, I forget the actor's name for Magneto. Oh, Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Eric, but I'm like, wait, no, that's... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, like those two, great. Like like, if you were to ask like the younger versions of Sir Pat and, and Sir Ian, mm-hmm. it's like those two right there. They just, yeah. they killed it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm yeah. going, I'm, I'm going Patrick Stewart. On I'm going one. Pat's too, dude. Cause like, you know, of course, yeah. Now realizing that I didn't have first class listed back there, but so seven movies. Oh my gosh. I watched seven movies. Um, as, as great as the actors and the material and the modernization was in this newer era of X-Men films, there's just something to that nostalgia of the original OGs, like kicking it off. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and especially when it comes to Sir Pat's because you know, I remember, I I don't think it was the same issue that they were speculating about Spider-Man's casting, but, you know, I mentioned this once upon a time um, on the show that they did an X-Men, you know, like, fan casting um, in Wizard Magazine back in the day. And so this was before the X-Men film came to be, or let alone, you know, the the... the the shortlist of characters and of actors playing them. And so I don't remember who was Logan, but like Halle Berry wasn't even part of the conversation. Everybody wanted Angela Bassett, funny enough. Oh. Yeah, she was the front runner for Storm. Whoa. The idea of Storm. And um and yeah, and but among all the all the actors and actresses that they had, like ideally that the fans wanted for these roles. The one consistent person for, for for Professor X was Patrick Stewart. And he was the only one that actually advanced into actually being in the official casting. Nice. Yeah. And so I was like, dude, and that's, it's one of those pipe dreams, right? You're like, oh, they, like that's who they want, but they, they'll probably never get him. Yeah. And then they got him and then everyone was like, what? mine. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And so, so it's, he, that's kind of why he, he gets my vote as well. Um, so are, do you think you're ready for a pop quiz? Let's do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this one, I, no, I think. I gotta you, probably dig deep in the archives no, for this one. No, I don't, I don't think so at all. So how many 
feature films has Professor X been featured in between the Foxverse and the MCU? Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Foxverse, like live, like live live action movies only? Yeah. Like how many movies have we seen Patrick oh Stewart in God. and James McAvoy in? Oh my gosh. So we got the obvious, the first three. X, you know, X-Men, X2, Last Stand, that's three. Mm-hmm. See, now I have to be like, wait, Origins. Was he in Origins? I don't think so, but maybe. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I don't know. He probably like popped up in like a scene or something. Right. That's that's where they get you. I think he did. I feel like he did pop up in the small because that 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 I forget that because I I try to forget that movie. But I mean, which one? <laughs> Origins. Origins. <laughs> I know. Oh my god. So I'm like, was he in there? Okay. The best thing that happened Origins was the fact that Ryan Reynolds decided to like play off of it. Exactly. It's the best thing. Best part. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if he's in <laughs> Origins. So I'll keep that in the back of my head. Yeah. So three, the first three. Mm-hmm. I know we got McAvoy. In at least three, mm-hmm. being first class, days of future past, mm-hmm. apocalypse. That's six total. I'm just pointing it. Okay, Jeff. I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> so we got six total. Yeah, and then we have my mind immediately jumps mm-hmm. to Doctor Strange, Multiverse and the Madness. Okay, like I'm trying to figure out because Apocalypse came out in 2016. <laughs> 2016. See, I love that you go back to the years for this. <laughs> That's what drives me nuts. Like, wow, the fact that you can remember. Yeah, because First Class came 2011 and Days of Future Past oh, came 2014. Ago? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you're right, though. You're right. I have uh, too much unnecessary knowledge. <laughs> and then Apocalypse 2016. Oh, it came out two years after Days of Future. That's crazy. Mm. Uh, so they immediately rushed into that one. What was. Wait, what was... Was that Apocalypse? What am I thinking of right now? Where... Gen, is it... What, didn't a crappy movie just come out? A crappy X-Men movie just come out? That's why I was pointing at you. I was like, <laughs> you're missing one. Oh, see, that's why I, I didn't even watch it. Because <laughs> oh, I man. was like, oh, I, there was bad stuff about this. <laughs> yeah. Put that one in there. Because <laughs> I know he made an appearance. But I'm, I know I... Um, I don't know. It's not about him. So that's we're at seven, it's eight. We're at eight. Mm-hmm. God, X Men Origins is really throwing me off, <laughs> and I hate that that's the one that's going to throw me off. I know, right? I'm going to say, just for the hell of it, I'm going to say nine. Nine. Nine, li- nine live action appearances. Dang, really? I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's it's just under, unfortunately. From the answer, if you can believe it, I think it is, it's 11 or 12. And so we're going to do a live count right here. So the films that Professor X appears in are X-Men, X2. Yes. X-Men, The Last Stand. Yes. As I can't scroll here. X-Men Origins, Wolverine. Damn it. Yeah, he's in that one. Okay. X-Men First Class. Okay. That makes five. Five. The Wolverine. The Wolverine. Which is one that people kind of forget. Yeah, well, right. obviously. But it did give us the brown and yellow suit at the very, very end. That's where that was. That's where it came from. Yes. That's number six. Number seven, Days of the Future Past, 
wait, they didn't count first class. I'm going to count first class. And so um, then Days of Future Past, Apocalypse, Logan. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> you forgot I totally Logan. skipped over that. That came out in 2017. Yeah, dude. Yep. Um, <laughs> And then, uh, where did I lost Logan my place? Logan felt like I just like, yeah, you should know that. So oh, I just, Logan's bre- so good. I just brushed over it. This is the one that might've put you in a twist. Deadpool 2. James McAvoy. Damn. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. It was that, that scene where, yeah, the X-Men mansion cameo. Well, there's only two of you. There's a big mansion. <laughs> yes. Where is everybody? <laughs> yeah. What did he say? Did he say like yeah. budgeting or whatever? That's, that's, uh, yeah. that's fair. It was Colossus and Professor yep. X. Um, and then finally the sad sad dark phoenix film dark phoenix <laughs> yes which i you know again i'm rewatching it eh, it's still not great but it's not too bad mm-hmm. sophie turner really did bring more game to that role in that film than she had i felt in previous in the previous two or three um but they still missed the mark the dark phoenix saga and the phoenix saga in general is just such a big thing it's such a big ordeal and if you're leaving space out of it i mean just don't touch it (laughs) just don't touch it and they they kind of you know they talked about a little bit but but yeah so the professor's been in in all of those films uh over the last 20 years which is kind of wild and um we might see him again we are gonna see him again we are jeez louisa yeah so he's still not done um but yeah we'll who knows if we'll see him in future x-men films i guess is better clarification um so, I you know, I put powers and paraphernalia a little higher up uh, on our topics this time around. And so, because it's so it's so cut and dry, like what you see is what you get. You kind of, everybody mm-hmm. kind of knows what he has. Yeah. And so, he's got a full range of tele- uh, telepathic powers, which includes telepathic illusions, cloak, learning and camouflage, as well as mind link, blast control, possession, alteration, transferal. He can freaking transfer his mind into someone else's book like that's so crazy um as well as mental amnesia shield and detection psychic wave manipulation psionic blasts absorption omnilinguistics and astral projection these are all words i learned at eight years old for the record <laughs> that's insane so i was like mom astral projection and objection <laughs> She's probably like, uh, what are you saying? What is that word? I don't understand the word. Um, And then, of course, uh, he does have a bit of uh, telekinesis. Uh, It's also known as psychokinesis or PK uh, for the non-nerd. And so that said, Xavier is what is considered to be an alpha level mutant by something that they call in the comics as biomutative classification. Hmm. And so it's this entire grid of classifications that you would, I don't know, list weaponry or something. And so it follows the Greek alphabet. And so alpha mutant, Mm -hmm. omega mutant and all that stuff. And so the further you get, the more powerful the mutant is. And so, you know, not that not to say that alpha is a weak um, level, but other alpha mutants include Cyclops, Storm, uh, Sebastian Shaw, who is... Who Kevin Bacon played, which by the way, oh, Kevin wow. Bacon <laughs> wow. was a, then a mutant before he was Kevin Bacon in Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. That's crazy. It's wild to think about, right? Um, and even Namor. So you have to remember, Namor or Namor, Namor. is is a mutant. 
and so he is an alpha mutant as well as Professor X. Um, and uh, uh, as far as Omega level, which seems to be the most powerful, mm-hmm. that would be one of his alter egos, which we don't talk about in this episode, but he has an alter ego named Onslaught. Oh. Um, <laughs> there's no easy way to say that story. Sounds dangerous. Just going to leave it alone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just read Fatal Attractions. That's a great series. Um, that is on Omega level. They're almost omnipotent. They, they don't, their power is so powerful, it can't be registered. Wow. Phoenix falls under Omega. That makes sense. Let's just yeah. say that. So that's that's the comparison there. Um, and as for as for gadgets and such, among among what little the professor has uh, or uses are his iconic wheelchair, um, sometimes Obviously. the hover chair, yeah, <laughs> as well as Cerebro, which has been pretty much in every movie that he's in, yeah, in one way or another, yeah. And so um, they quite literally define the word in X Men First Class as Spanish for brain. And so Cerebro itself is best described by Charles um, as a quote-unquote complex ESP, that's extrasensory perception machine, which I call Cerebro, from the Latin cerebrum, meaning the brain. And its sole purpose is to aid in detecting new mutant brainwaves to help locate other mutants, both good and evil. So... Just like in the films, <laughs> he goes into that space. He puts on the do the, the like the doodad thing, and he finds all of the 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 unique brain waves and signatures that mutants have. And so it's it's like a giant worldwide web for mutants. Whoa! Um, and it's been the the plot, the 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 main point of plots for for a lot of these films, especially. What was it first class? No. Last stand? No. X2? <laughs> I don't know which one. The one where it had Mastermind and it was um, uh, the son and he was using him to find the mutants and kill all yeah, the mutants. Yeah, yeah, I forget. I forget. Yeah. I remember that though. It's a lot of that though. <laughs> and so I know it's very, very quick. You ready for another pop quiz? Oh, let's <laughs> get right into it. Okay. So Business Week <laughs> once printed an article featuring the top 10 most intelligent fictional characters. Where on the list does Professor, Professor X, X sit? Go. Yeah. I love that business week. <laughs> what year was this? Uh, I don't know which year. I don't know. I don't remember which year. But it's it's based off of comics. Based so, off of comics. Yeah. Damn. Top 10. Top 10? Yeah. I know he's not... I feel like he's not... Eight, nine, or ten. He is not. Yes. Why is that? I just feel like he's too like you, your your power is basically your brain. Yeah. Like that's how big brain he is. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he wouldn't like you know he wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be be a, be totally th- that low of the top ten. Sure, sure. I'm going to go with my favorite number. One of my favorite numbers. Uh-huh. Number four. Okay. Fair. Incorrect. Damn. <laughs> Two for two on the nose. Oh, for two. Oh, for two. <laughs> so of the seven characters, of the seven Marvel characters on a uh-huh. top 10 list, that means only three characters were DC for the record. Wow. Of the seven Marvel characters featured on this list, Professor X ranks lowest of his colleagues. Oh. Uh. Which is kind of, I mean, I too. Oh, wow. I too would have put him much higher up. Yeah. But I think that while he has brain power, 
perhaps he is not intelligent compared to the other. And so... Sure. I know, right? I'm still kind of iffy on this one. So he clocks in at number nine of ten. Wow, I went the totally opposite (laughs) way then. (laughs) Damn. It's kind of wild, right? And so in order, at least from the Marvel perspective, this is who Business Week thought were the most intelligent characters. Reed Richards, Tony Stark, Henry Pym. Wait, Henry Hank McCoy, Hank Pym... Whoa. Bruce Banner. Whoa. And Peter Parker. Whoa. All topped Professor X. Wow. I was like, mm. but at the same time, yeah, exactly. We were both kind of waving our hand a little bit. I mean, even Peter Parker, I'm kind of like, well, I don't know about that one. But everybody else, I'm like, oh, maybe. Maybe. But I, I, I mean, I guess what are you? What's what's the specification? Right, you know, right, right, right like, right. like yeah, Bruce Banner's smart. Yeah, he's smart in in gamma and ra- gamma radiation right. and all that goody goody stuff. Tony well, Stark, he's smart in yeah, engineering and technology and all that stuff. Yeah, and Reed Richards is supposed to be the most intelligent man in the world. So I, I guess I get that. Hank McCoy, I mean, the whole thing, I think the narrative is that Professor X didn't exactly build Cerebro by himself. Sure. You know, whereas Tony Stark probably kind of more or less built the Iron Man marks himself, yeah. you know, like, yes. and, and so I guess they're going by that kind of rule and, and like Bruce Banner, like figured out the gamma thing on his own. Like, I don't know, maybe it's a dependency thing, but yeah, shocking I mean, number if, nine, if we're being, 10. I mean, if we're being honest, that list... <laughs> would would be so different today. I think so too. I think sure it would be top three. Oh, that's also true. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think the before, only... before we go on a side tangent, but yeah, I think sure it would be top three for sure. Now you can then you can throw an Ironheart in and there. Ironheart, yeah, Riri, yeah. So yeah, I yeah, think Black Queens, hundred percent. Right. <laughs> that Black Girl Magic. So, uh, but yeah, dude. Yeah, it's it's wild, right? And I think I think there was only one female on the list. And it was Barbara Gordon, who was Batgirl, <laughs> okay. which was interesting. I was like, okay. Was Bruce Wayne one of the DC characters? I on think there? he was, and I th- I can't remember who the third one was. But oh, you know what? It Brainiac. Was, it was no, it was Adam. Oh. <laughs> so it was the Hank Pym equivalent. Go. Was number ten, and oh. so Barbara Gordon. I think Babs was. <sighs> I don't know, number five or something. <laughs> like, but she was higher up too. And I oh was my like, gosh! <laughs> yeah, I was very shocked by this. Hey, list, but I was I like, that's know. cool. But yeah, Riri and Shirley, oh, dude. Like easily. <laughs> easily. Oh, man. And so when it comes to the aesthetic of Professor X, uh, as Wolverine would call him, it's just an old cue ball. <laughs> he bald. He bald. He has, he's always very sharply dressed um, in many of these trading cards, for instance. He's in a wheelchair or his, his yellow, iconic yellow hover chair thing. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, there's not much to it as far as aesthetics go. He's, he's very much a professor head to toe. Um, whereas in the films, it's very similar to the books as well, but they really did lean into tactical. They went real hard with tactical looks. And so this is a joke we've told on the show a few times, but like in X-Men one, even like Cyclops, when he's firing up the Blackbird, 
you know, and Wolverine's like, what's with the getups? And he's like, what were you expecting? Yellow spandex? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, actually we were. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? And, and in these, in the X-Men films, it's very black, very, very tactical, very, uh, what would you even call it? Like almost spy-like, right? Yeah. Like they, they're just leather and zippers and all these finagles and stuff. And so it wasn't until James McAvoy's era that they started to introduce the yellow a little bit, which is a, a throwback to classic X-Men looks mm-hmm. um, from the Grant Morrison um, era of the comics and such. Um, but we've never seen anything that's true to the comics as far as X-Men goes. I think the most accurate one, shockingly enough, is... is uh, uh, Negasonic in in Deadpool, like I feel like the Deadpool costumes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are probably the most accurate X Men costumes. Crazy. Yeah, save for the Wolverine one, but we never see it on Logan. So um, hopefully that changes. <laughs> you know, Ryan Reynolds has to throw in a <laughs> he joke. Has to. And he'd be like, "You played Wolverine for twenty years, and you still and haven't still put on the yellow suit." It. Yeah, he's never had it. <laughs> he's never had it. Oh, he's even had, which is very close to Patch, which is it another moniker that yeah. Logan has taken on where he's wearing like, you know, the patch and uh, he's got the black and white, the, the, the tuxedo look on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, as for, as for the professor, while he's had his fair share of uniforms over the years in the comics, at least uh, his most recent outfit is uh, the most outstanding of them all. And so I dropped a picture in, in our little doc here for you, Jeff. I see. It. Um, and so as you can see, uh, this is, I believe, drawn by Pepe Larraz. Um, it is Magneto, who is now uh, adorning an all-white outfit, mm-hmm. which is pretty iconic. Well, actually, I take that back. It's white and black, um, but mostly white. Um, this is something that Magneto has, has taken on in, in more recent years. But Charles is very much standing next to him, standing, mind you, in a predominantly black suit uh it's like a bodysuit and it's got like little uh detailings and 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 um the most iconic part of his outfit is the fact that he's got a helmet which is cerebro mm-hmm. he wears cerebro walking around everywhere you never see his face anymore wow yeah and so uh this is something that originated in one of the most recent storylines um, in the X-Men books, uh, House of X or uh, Powers of X, depending on which one you're you're looking at. Um, and so Charles's look in this state emerged with the brand new take on the mutants as we know them. And so Charles himself, he died. Uh, again, there's a lot of lore. So there, there was a, a few years back, the Phoenix Force came back and it, it it was divided into five parts and it assumed five different X-Men. So it wasn't just Jean Grey anymore. It assumed like Cyclops and Emma Frost. And so as a result, Professor X, with the help of the Avengers and other superheroes, tried to take it down. He died. Oh, and gosh. so um, as a result of that death, uh, he was reborn and he now just simply goes by x not Charles Xavier, not Professor X, just wow. X, and so, um, and so, yeah. So he he still he still has, you know, his <laughs> his goal has kind of changed now. It's not just like the better of mutant kind. No, now he's kind of cutting it right at the better for mutant kind, mm. not humanity, but 
Human, just yeah, mutants. Just, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, in an effort to, to unite mutant kind under a single sovereign state, Charles um, and a select mutants uh, occupy this sentient island off of uh, the Pacific Ocean, near the in the Pacific Ocean, called Krakoa. It's called Krakoa. Hmm. <laughs> and so, what that translates to is the island that walks like a man. And so, imagine, if you will, Groot, but more islandy huh. <laughs> and it turns into an island whoa a, like a giant island that can hold the population of say i don't know 10,000 people 20 100 40 million i don't know whatever it is Dang. but it's a sentient island and now um with the help of unlikely alliances like you know Mr. Sinister and Apocalypse and Mystique Charles is importing all the mutants from the world and welcoming them to this island. And so they all live on this freaking island together, <laughs> devoid of human beings. Yeah. So they That's flipped crazy. It. Yeah, it's the inverted of, of what it started as. And so I think I mentioned this a, a while back that they're, they're, almost, they're reborn with the, the help of this flower this blossom that's found on the island. Mm-hmm. And so when they're reborn, say say Cyclops was like, okay, I'm going to take the kids. We're going to go to space and we're going to fight this gigantic fleet of aliens. Mm-hmm. So they do that and Cyclops dies. Oh my gosh. And so what they do is that they've uploaded everybody to the cloud. <laughs> the, like legitimately, this is, this is a TV show yeah. too. There's, what is it? It's upload, right? So they've uploaded everybody into Cerebro in the cloud. And so they go, oh, sh- Scott died. Okay, great. And then so they get his data file. They put it through the system. Five days, a brand new Scott Summers is hatched. Oh my God. He's butt naked. <laughs> <laughs> and he comes out with the, the memory that he last had before perishing. Whoa. And so it depends on when the person was last downloaded and they come back with that memory. So if they forgot to download somebody. Oh my gosh. <laughs> since like 1920, like, yeah. you know, that person will have no recollection of what happened to them up to that point. That's great. Cr- cr- insane. So it's so insane. And so more or less in a nutshell, the X-Men are officially immortal, which is kind of crazy because in the comics, they die so much and they come back all the time. Jean Grey has died like 12 times, dude. Oh my gosh. But now they just bring her back. They're like, doop, new Jean. And she comes out and she's like, all right, I'm back. And and so this is what they've done on Krakoa. And so in Charles's eyes, what, what, what basically has happened is the more mutants, the better. And so they're just trying to repopulate and take their place in, uh, you know, the food chain, if you will. Um, and so we got a question from uh, Instagram super fanboy guy. <laughs> if Xavier didn't form the X Men, what would he do with his life? Oh boy, I don't know. That's a great question, actually. Yeah, I really don't know how to answer that. Because I mean, even in his world traveling, he was still like, "Let me find other people like me." You know, like uh, maybe, maybe he still would have done that. Yeah, and just helped people instead of trying to. I don't know, save the world. Because <laughs> I feel like all he wants to do is help people. Right. So maybe he might still be doing that just in a different sense. Right. But. Yeah, I think yeah, so other too. Other than that, that's. That's a tough one. That's huh? tough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, other than that, if you were talking Krakoa version, 
he could be a gardener, I guess. Yeah. Just, you know, harvesting flowers and helping again, but it all comes down to helping people. So yeah, yeah, yeah I think you're right. And so, um, this is where it starts to get a little weird, but you know we'll get to learn more about the professor um, from the roots. And so, uh, with his family, um, there are Doctor Brian Xavier as well as his uh, Sharon, his wife, who are Professor X's uh, parents. And so, Brian, his dad, was a wealthy nuclear researcher. And so, along the storyline, we come to learn that the facility that Doctor Xavier was working in was actually a friend for studying genetic mutations. And so this is what I said at near the top of the show is that Charles has kind of inherited this, this curiosity about mutants from his dad. And maybe he didn't know it. I don't know what the, what the influence was, but, but uh, yeah, Brian Xavier himself was, was studying mutants. And so unfortunately he, he met, uh, you know, with an accident when Charles was nine and died. Um, leaving Sharon Xavier, uh, you know, on her lonesome to raise her son until she married a man named Kurt Marco. And so it's then that the family relocated um, from their original home to this ancestral mansion in Westchester County. And so <laughs> let me tell you, 1407 Gray Malkin Lane, Westchester County, New York, is the full address <laughs> of that place and Whoa. I know it right in my brain <laughs> <laughs> um so so they when sh when david uh sorry when david when brian died sharon moved her family to that mansion and that's what inevitably becomes the x mansion and so what we see in the films that's all from the mother's side mm -hmm. and so the unfortunate thing about this at least when when charles is little is that um you know when his mother married Kurt, Kurt moved his teenage son in with them as well. His son's name was Kane, Kane Marco. And so for those who are not familiar with that name, uh, he also becomes, he's not only a rival with Charles's children, but he becomes a full-fledged adversary later in life because when he grows up, he is known as Juggernaut. Whoa. So... <laughs> uh, both Kurt and Kane proved to be wildly abusive to the Xavier uh, Xavier clan. And so, yeah, um, Kane would abuse Charles and then Kurt would abuse Sharon, um, which unfortunately led to her ultimate demise. Um, and she crippled not only under the abuse of her husband, but also the loss of her original husband. And so she died an alcoholic and of a broken heart, which is really dark. Oh man. Yeah. It's really sad. Um, and so, you know, while the juggernaut is present in, in a couple of the films in the cinematic universe, they never actually correlate the two as, as related in any way, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Um, and so I didn't want to dive into uh, the friends aspect so much because let's be frank, a lot of his friends are actually also lovers. <laughs> so we'll, we'll keep Jeez. them for a little later. But, um, you know, of course, there, there are his X-Men and, and most specifically Scott Summers, a.k.a. Cyclops. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not even going to get into this. You know, like we all know the drill. We all know like Scott's the soldier boy. He's the, the boy scout. He's Xavier's right hand. You know, he wasn't mm -hmm. the first student, but he, he's very much like number one. You yeah. Know? 
um, of course, portrayed by James Marsden in the primary X-Men films and then Ty Sheridan in the uh, first class era. Um, not much to say there. Uh, you know, further down the line, of course, like Scott, after he's lost a lot, and we do see a little bit of it in Last Stand, like after he's lost Gene, he's like, I don't care anymore. Yeah. Like he just kind of... Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and so that's very close to the comics. There, there are moments where... Uh, Scott starts to question the professor's like dream and his vision for for the future and and for his students and he veers off and and even now you know as recent as the newer books Scott's kind of done he's kind of doing his own thing in a weird way but he's still under the purview of of X and the X-Men um but a more notable friend in Professor X's life is Eric Lencher of course aka Magneto who also we're not going to get into because he has his own fair share of, um, of lore. So, of course, he's the truest of rivalries that's been tested time and again uh, from the smallest conversation to world-changing life and death. And so the dynamic is very well played in the films. Like, I feel I feel that both pairs of, of actors are very good at selling that they're friends, but they're also like, we don't. See, yeah, you know, I, like, yeah, we're we're not on the same page exactly. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, and they do it very, very well. Um, and uh, you know, of course, portrayed in the original X Men Cinematic Universe by Sir Ian McKellen, and then Michael Fassbender. And I gotta say, I love Ian McKellen. I think he did a fantastic job. But man, Michael Fassbender's he the really goat. kills it. He <laughs> really so kills it. He really steals the like. I just feel like. Honestly, if I were to have my, like, I don't need both Professor X and Magneto back full-fledged, but I would like to see more of Michael Fassbender's Magneto. I don't know how, I don't know what, doing what, why, where, when, I would just like to see more of him in a traditional sense, if you will. I agree. Yeah, but man, that man kills it. Even just watching him do the, like the powers. And and that's another thing that I think is, is incredibly well done with the X-Men films is that they really make you believe that these people have powers. Yeah. Right. And I feel like I don't want to say that they don't do that in the MCU, but it's just so, it's so easy and so convincing when, when the X-Men do it, like when he's holding up, it's like, it's like on the same level as Dr. Strange. Right. When Doctor Strange is doing all the hand stuff, you're like, dang, he's a real sorcerer. Yeah. Seriously, I'd be like, oh, man. <laughs> right? Like, I'm scared. It's cool. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's really cool. And so when you see Michael Fassbender doing the douche and he's like, his fist. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I'm like, oh, that's scary. And you're scary. just like, okay, he's about to jack somebody up with a coin. 100%. It's just so good. And so I would love to see him in, like, a traditional or semi-traditional Magneto outfit, head to toe, and then... Doing whatever he does. Yes. That'd be sick. There's this entire... Speaking of fatal attractions, by the way, mm-hmm. I just... I feel like the need to dish all the incredible storylines <laughs> <laughs> to you because there's some wild ones. But one that they very briefly had an Easter egg uh, for in the X-Men films uh, between Michael Fassbender and Hugh Jackman was in fatal attractions back in the day. Magneto pulled all the adamantium off of Wolverine's bones and through his pores. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And on the cover of X-Men number 25, 
and it has a hologram of a gambit card on it too like the it just looks painful it's painful because oh it's coming gosh. out of his nose it's coming yeah. from, like everywhere it's all the adamantium is just seeping out and that's when they revert back to the bone claws mm-hmm. for wolverine in the comics and that's why in days of future past logan has his bone claws as well uh, it's a whole callback to that and of course it. you know wolverine is built with the claws but they did you know uh they 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 put in the synthetic not synthetic but the adamantium after the fact so so yeah that's me ner- x-men nerding out i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> um and so you know i kind of put eric lencher at the very end of the friends because it rolls right into notable adversaries and so again this is a professor x is another character with a tremendous rogues gallery over the last 60 years <laughs> so um i don't we're definitely not going to talk about this at at length at all um but some honorable mentions include um nimrod uh dr doom we've said dr doom a lot lately which is kind of like yeah it says a lot about the character he is he is a mischief maker yeah um juggernaut of course uh the shadow king he is a gigantic one um and proteus uh uh so aside those we're just gonna call out a couple here Mr. Sinister is a gigantic one. He is a pain in the butt. Um, He's a master manipulator and truly one of the original and outstanding antagonists in the comics uh, and has been for decades. You could even say that he's been part of Charles's life since he was a child. Um, And so Mr. Sinister, this is the character that people were like, oh, maybe Keanu Reeves could play him Mm. or... God, who was the other actor? There was another actor that was like, yeah, if I was going to play anybody in the in X-Men. You'd I think be. it was Brian Cranston. Oh, yeah, maybe, possibly. And, yeah. And so Dr. Uh, Doctor, Mr. Sinister uh, is a scientist that hails from the Victorian era. Um, so he's been around for a very long time. And he's more or less obsessed with genetics and evolution. And uh, he himself was genetically altered by Apocalypse. Whoa. So there's a lot going on there. Uh, Mr. Sinister has been known to, to kind of dabble uh, in Gambit's affairs as well as more so the Summers family. Mm-hmm. So Scott Summers and Jean Grey, oof, like those are his favorite people to mess with. Um, he's definitely like, there's a current storyline right now. I haven't read it yet, but Sinister, is it Sinister War? I don't know. He's come back into the fold when this whole Krakoa thing started up again, Mm -hmm. he came across as pretty campy and a little more flamboyant than he's ever been. But it's all coming to a head because I think he's going back to his old, his old ways very quickly. Um, And so, yeah, there's no cinematic counterpart for this character. Um, But he was referenced in the New Mutants movie. Um, There's this, uh, his, his actual name is Nathaniel Essex. And so they referred to like Essex Lab or Essex Science or something in New Mutants. And so he's in that universe somewhere. Uh, hopefully we'll see him in the, the primary MCU because woof, if they get into gene- genetics and mutants, I mean, to not have Mr. Sinister would be kind of wild. And so uh, Cassandra Nova, this one is interesting because you know how I mentioned that evil fetus the beginning of the show <laughs> that's cassandra nova <laughs> whoa so <laughs> um not to get into nitty gritty details but 
though the stillborn, the fetus um, that once was, uh, it began to mature in the sewers mm-hmm. below the city. So once it got extracted, um, it became a sentient being on its own and it started to mature and grow like a baby would. And over time, it became Cassandra Nova. So Professor X's evil twin. And so she was more or less hell-bent on getting revenge on her brother. Um, and uh, she has the same about the same telepathic prowess as her brother. Um, it's even allowed her to switch bodies with him in a very Dr. Octopus, Peter Parker-like way. Um, and she used her power to combine with his own to destroy the Shi'ar Empire, which is an entire galactic empire (laughs) for the lack of better wording so she's very powerful is what we're trying to say here and then um you know this is a again it's a gigantic storyline not going to get into it but when all was said and done the x-men discovered that cassandra had actually put her brain into professor x's body and his brain was in her body and she was her body was dying and so with the help of jean gray and emma frost save the day Mm-hmm. yada 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 <laughs> uh, she thankfully has no mcu counterpart but i would like to see that weird storyline in some way i don't know if maybe it's too tropey actually on second thought but it did, no no cinematic counterpart um and then of course you know we're not going to get into every granular detail here because again there are seven movies at least with the x-men alone but just quickly revisiting of these of these uh the, the villains that we're about to mention like Definitely tell me which ones your favorites are. Um, so in the Stuart era, we had Magneto, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, which is, you know, Mystique and etc. cetera. Uh, then there was William Stryker in Lady Deathstrike. And then there was Phoenix and the Morlocks. And then with the James McAvoy era, there was the Hellfire Club, a.k.a. Kevin Bacon and January Jones. Then Bolivar Trask and the Sentinels, which was, um, <laughs> what's his name? Oh. Who plays in? Who plays in? Oh my gosh! Why am I forgetting? Who plays Trash? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Yes. <laughs> have you heard that? The no. Game of Thrones. The Game of Thrones. <laughs> no, I have not. I have not seen that one. When you have a second, <laughs> Google Peter Dinklage Game of Thrones like song, and it's the Game of Thrones song, but all they say is Peter Dinklage over and over again. Um, <laughs> of course it is. Yeah, and then of course the final. Um, uh, adversaries that they had in Dark Phoenix were, of course, the Phoenix Force itself and the Dabati, which is the character that Jessica Chastain played. Uh, okay. Oh, you didn't see it! Uh, ah! But I got the gist of <laughs> They're it. Basically yeah. scroll. They're basically scroll. Oh. The same thing, okay. but a different species. Oh, okay. So they shape shift and they're, but unlike the scroll, they have like, they're, they're so stoic, they have no emotion. Uh, so they're just hell bent on like neutralizing anything that has an ounce of joy. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's it was actually I remember when she first got cast. You know, just a side tangent. I was like, oh, cool. Maybe she's playing like Lalandra or somebody from Shi'ar or somebody from space because they're like she's galactic. And I was like, ooh, sick. Jessica Chastain is a like space princess. This is dope. And then she ended up being like a shapeshifter. <laughs> like it, she wasn't her, her character wasn't even the shapeshifter she was what the shapeshifter shifted into 
Oh. So she was just playing like she would just be like, Jean, tell me what you're thinking. Like she had no emotion. And I was Yeesh. kind of sad because she's better than that. But yeah, the, the body are very much like the, the scrolls. So of, of all of those, aside the Dark Phoenix ones, because you didn't see Dark Phoenix, which ones, which enemies did you enjoy the most? Or do you think were the most satisfying from a viewer standpoint? Oh, facing uh, the X-Men Char- and oh, all the- them. Yeah. I mean, I was always a fan of... And now I think about it, like watching, like remembering back, like it was always, yeah, the whole um, thing of like Charles versus uh, Eric. Yeah. Like that the was classic. just like, yeah, mm. I never got tired of that. Yeah. Like ever. Like the whole like Jean Grey stuff because mm-hmm. she's like this most powerful being ever thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it was the, it was the Professor X versus Magneto. Yeah, stuff that always I was like, okay, where are we going? Especially, I forget which movie was it. Mm-hmm. Where was it X two? Mm-hmm. Where it was like basically them two against each other, and they formed like kind of teams because Charles mm-hmm. wanted this. He's like, no, and then and then Magneto's like, no, you're trying to control us. We're gonna, oh yeah, in, you know, do yeah. our own thing. Mm-hmm. And you like, he's like, like Eric, you don't have to do this. Oh yeah, because he's wild card, right? Yeah, you're not sure what he's gonna do yeah. if he's gonna actually yeah. follow through or if he's yeah gonna because deviate. easily he can like go against you, you know. So it's yeah. like yeah. like those th- those were my favorite. Yeah, definitely agreed. Um, yeah, I think I. Like, I didn't have a preference either way. The body are definitely on the bottom. <laughs> um, I just feel like they didn't they didn't service them as well as they could have. It was definitely more about the Phoenix Force than anything. Um, the Phoenix Force itself was definitely at my top. Um, but I feel like cinematically they didn't do a great job of uh, compared to what they could have mm-hmm. um, done, especially. Because I think, again, I think Sophie Turner did a great job with what she had, but the story was literally nothing but her destroying stuff. It, yeah. it didn't mean anything, yeah. you know? Um, and they, they barely show the Phoenix itself uh, in both versions. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's ultimately what makes X2 stand out is because William Stryker, played by Brian Cobb, I think is his name the guy from yeah. Succession Succession yeah yeah um, he he coupled with Deathstrike I thought was just so compelling they 100% made it into a Logan movie which is like eh, okay that's fine <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was just really well done and of course the added factor that they brought in Nightcrawler and and that whole fiasco and, and you know it was just so good um yeah, I think they're. I think they're my number one. I I tell you, when it first dropped, though, I was like Deathstrike, and I thought Kelly Who did an amazing job as that character. Um, of course, that's another character callback to Logan. So um, Deathstrike is one of his wife's, mm. Mariko Yoshida. Um, she's a sister, I believe. It's her. No, is it her? She's the sister of Silver Samurai. Um, could be getting my Yurikos mixed up. I'm not sure because there's a Mariko and a Yuriko. Um, but but yeah, she was in the com and in the cartoon as well. And so again, it's it's chock full of Easter eggs. So it was definitely one of my favorites. Um, Hellfire, uh, Hellfire was okay. I mean, January <laughs> Jones. Uh, I like her, but I didn't love her in in that movie. Um, yeah, yeah, they're all right. They're right, huh, Rocket? You underestimate my feelings for you. 
But then you always did. Um, so this is officially giveaway time. So if you want your chance at some X-Men trading cards, shoot us a DM on Instagram or Twitter with the key phrase, to me, my X-Men, <laughs> <laughs> which is an iconic line from the books. So again, to me, my X-Men, uh, shoot us a DM. You could win. Woo! Woo! Mother, is this a dream? Let's roll into some love interests. Okay, so I decided right off the bat, this by no means is classified as a relationship, but Charles, yes indeed, once had affections for Jean Grey. <laughs> wow. Which very much kind of rattled me because there is obviously an age gap and his feelings for her stem further back. Mm. So there's no real indication of when he began to have feelings for her, whether or not she was like 16 or 24. Like, we don't know. Uh, okay, okay. It's a little awkward. They did introduce it late in the, in the late 90s. Um, but yeah, it has been confirmed that he did have interest in her. But of course, she was all about Scott Summers. So it just never, ever happened. Thank God. Um and of course, Jean Grey in, in the cinematic universe is uh, portrayed by Famke Jensen in the original X-Men films, as well as Sophie Turner later on, um, and Haley Ram and Summer Fontana as young Jean in their respective films. Um, someone who isn't in the films, uh, Amelia Vaught. So this woman, uh, she's pretty integral to Charles's origins, at least uh, before the X-Men came about. And so... Uh, she more or less helped nurse him back to health after he became paralyzed. And so the two began to, um, you know, they were seeing each other and, and they were sharing like vision for a while of just helping people. And, uh, you know, they came to a head because they began to disagree on stuff. Um, the more that Charles began to recruit, um, you know, young folks for his potential team, uh, Amelia was more of the person I was like, you know what, we should we should be a little more low-key about this. The world isn't ready. And so they split up. Um, and this is one of those people that is one of the scenarios where Charles did try to use his powers to make her stay. Mm -hmm. And he so he tried he he manipulated her brain and then he got guilt he felt guilty and he was like, I can't do this. And he let her go. Um but strangely enough she was a redhead so yeah there's that um another uh character with no cinematic counterpart again is one of one of my favorite characters um from the books Lalandra Naramani who uh we've briefly mentioned before she is part of the Shi'ar empire one of the royal families uh that live beyond earth's atmosphere so Lalandra was uh a pivotal character when it came to the Silver Age of X-Men, particularly uh, Chris Claremont's Phoenix Saga, uh, which is, again, truly iconic. Um, and then that brings us to a more familiar name, Moira McTaggart. So if you've paid attention to, especially the, the James McAvoy films, uh, Moira's um, pretty present. Uh, in the comics, her origins have gotten way more complicated over time mm -hmm. uh thanks to modern stories before she was she was just a scottish genetic scientist who was 100 percent normal human being and just like to help people um but now uh they've changed her they've altered her origin story and uh she's actually a mutant um 
in in this m- most modern uh era of the x-men and um <laughs> i don't want to get into it it's so cool but i want to <laughs> get into it so basically she's known as moira x and the x stands for 10 and so it's, it's martyr 10 moira 10 martyr so 10. it's it's been revealed that she is a mutant and every time she dies she's reborn and so she's on her 10th life cycle oh my gosh so anyway, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, originally, when she was just a plain old human being, uh, she helped create a mutant research research center on Muir Island off the coast uh, of Scotland. And she attempted to help young mutates, including uh, Jean Grey and her own son, Kevin, a.k.a. Proteus, who ends up being one of Professor X's uh, main adversaries later on down the line. Um, And of course, in the cinematic universe, uh, Moira McTaggart is portrayed first by Olivia Williams in X-Men The Last Stand, uh, but more notably portrayed by Rose Byrne in X-Men First Class, and then later in X-Men Apocalypse. Um, And then there's there's one more who is a less familiar name, uh, Gabrielle Holler, and so I wanted to add her in because she does have, uh, she bears particular importance for a couple of reasons. Um, in the comics, she was once a, a catatonic Holocaust survivor uh, who encountered Charles and Eric um, after being abducted by Hydra later in oh life. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, there's, wow. some, there's some interminglings here and there. Um, and so Gabriella and Charles fell in love, uh, but the relationship dissipated very quickly over time. And Charles left um, not knowing that Gabby was actually pregnant with their child. And so in the comics, Professor X does have a son. Uh, his name is David Holler. Um, and so they actually have a cinematic counterpart for for these characters. And so Gabrielle Xavier uh, is portrayed by Stephanie uh Corn, oh, I should have looked this up. <laughs> Cor- Cornelusen? Um, She was first and last seen in Legion. And so that was a 2017 FX TV show directed by Noah Hawley. Did you ever see that show? That's where Aubrey Plaza first made her first. No. Yeah. And so Aubrey Plaza was in it. And then also, God, I'm already forgetting his name. He was the Beast in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> that I guy, but he was Legion. He played Professor X's son, and so in Legion, Gabrielle and Charles were married in the series, and it's a younger Charles Xavier, and there's a lot of time travel, and it takes place kind of in the seventies ish, and yeah. so um, in in this version of the the universe, Gabrielle suffered from schizophrenia, which then yeah. melded with Charles and his mutations. Um, it produced this omega level mutant named David Holler, mm-hmm. who later adopts the moniker Legion. And mm. so they've kind of covered that story more or less in, in a cinematic scope. So I, I don't think we'll ever see that, but it is definitely worth a watch. It's a little heavy because it's like an, uh, an hour long show, I think. Yeah. Um, there's a lot. I don't know. It, it did get. A few accolades. I think it was nominated for a lot of stuff back in its day. Mm-hmm. Like I think it got visual effects nominations and stuff like that. But they do cover the Shadow King. That's who more or less Aubrey Plaza played. Oh. And so the Shadow King, in a nutshell, is this uh, incredibly powerful. I guess 
semi omega level mutant who is like the Freddy Krueger of he occupies dreams and he's on the he's on this oh my gosh he's on another plane he's on a you know he that's where he thrives and he can assume people's minds it's crazy so anyway Alvin <laughs> Plaza played the character and there's this really jarring like they did this oh god I couldn't even tell you it's nightmarish you would hate it because <laughs> it's like a giant like nightmarish thing yeah it's like a giant horror head that used to be on this anyway I don't want to get into it I just want to send you a picture one day and then you're like what is that <laughs> so uh, when it comes to other versions and other media, yeah. So I wanted to get into Onslaught a little bit, but I didn't cover it here because, again, it's a gigantic part of this character. Um, it segues into another world, uh, quite literally another universe, an alternate universe. But you know what? You should go and read it. I'm not going to talk about it here. Um, but I am going to talk about a little bit <laughs> about uh, another version of Professor Xavier from the animation standpoint. And so, of course, um, X-Men, the animated series, like we fondly talked about at the top of the show, um, although the character was voiced by David Kaye in X-Men Evolution and Jim Ward in Wolverine and the X-Men, uh, perhaps the most iconic version aside the films was the 1992 animated series version where he was voiced by Cedric Smith. Um the series has spawned a handful of iconic memes. And so I think I posted one the other day on our Twitter account, but it's like Professor X in the chair and he's like, Wolverine, bring me a cheese pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and he had this very, Cedric Smith gave him this very almost nasally like gene. Like he had a very distinct voice, which was like transatlantic, but New Yorker, but also English at all at the same time. Um, but yeah, that's definitely more or less the, the one of the more iconic versions of this character. Um, he died at the end of the original series because not only budgeting, but this, the, it wasn't as popular as it had been when it first launched. Uh -huh. So it'll be uh, particularly interesting where they start off in X-Men 97 because mm. that's where it ended last time. So they're picking up right where they dropped it off. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with the X-Men next. Because I hear they kill somebody off in the first episode. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so if it's, if it better not be Gambit. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it better not be Gambit. Ugh, gross. Um, and, and yeah, again, you know, uh, other versions of Professor Xavier. There's one huge one who does reside in Legion, portrayed by Harry Lloyd. Um... And he's he's slightly younger than the age that James McAvoy played him in the films. Um, yeah, and, and nothing more to say about Legion, but it did run from 2017 to 2019. So if you want to get some obscure, almost uh, avant-garde version of X-Men, <laughs> you should check out Legion. It is kind of scary, though. I'll, I'll say that much. It's, it's trippy. Um, and so that brings us to the future of the character in the MCU. We got a listener comment. From Andrew Frank 17. Do you think they'll go modern with Krakoa Professor X? And also, do you think they will go classic Charles when they introduce the X-Men? And so for the first half, I can answer that. I don't think they're they're gonna go modern. Mm. I don't I don't know. I think it's too I think it's too heavy of a of, of a, a lift. Yeah. Like, why is he walking around? Why can't you see his face? Why like it's is he wearing It's going to be jarring to people. He's super duper jarring. Like, too jarring. You know what I mean? Like, it'd be dope to see. But it's too jarring for someone who's expecting 
But why not flip that on its head? That is also true. Like you've so got in two versions, two great versions. Yeah. One who has walked. Yeah. You know, and then also ended up in the wheelchair, obviously. Yeah. One who started in the wheelchair, yeah. who was older. Now it's like, well, yeah. What if you just give them straight up like <laughs> this man can walk? You gotta give them all you gotta give them all versions. <laughs> that would be very interesting, but I will say the only thing that turns me away from it is because we live in a Mandalorian world, right? Like that show, like it's hard for me to watch now knowing that Pedro Pascal is not the one in that helmet. And so what like, if he is though, <laughs> you can tell when he is, which is funny because he likes, he stands a certain way, but, but in the same token, like Ant-Man for instance, right? Mm-hmm. Quantumania, you see their faces all the time because they're like, no, 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 no. We need to see the face. Yeah. Would they then with the professor X of Krakoa, not have him wear the cerebro thing because you gotta see the money shot like uh, so that that kind of like he's the walking character. but he has to have but you have to see his face because yeah, that's yeah. how hollywood is and so that's what i'm worried about because like you have to but like he needs that yeah, cerebro if that's he's walking the, yeah, yeah yeah that's the entire thing of that version of the professors that you never see his face so that's why i'm almost like they'll, they'll never do it mm, true because <laughs> sure, they're sure. not gonna bring james mcavoy in just to see his nose in his mouth i mean <laughs> <laughs> right i don't know i don't know where yeah. the, i don't know where they'll go with the new x-men let alone professor x because yeah uh, that is tough if you had to guesstimate between regular wheelchair with the x's on the wheels to yellow hover chair whereabouts do you think they're gonna drop him <laughs> i mean i mean that that yellow hover chair in multiverse of madness was sick <laughs> and that's from the animated series yeah so <laughs> that is Congrats. sick yeah but then you know the cha- the x chair is yeah. also very cool like i'm all f- like me personally i'm all for i'm all for hovering chair floating yeah. chairs sure so <laughs> when i saw that it looked like a nice 50s car in multiverse of madness <laughs> Like a look like a roadster of a yeah. car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm all for it, but it doesn't have to be Sir Pat's. Yeah. But yeah. I want I I want more of the yellow chair. That's just me. <laughs> That's just me. Hey, we can agree on that one. <laughs> um, and so almost was. So this was an interesting look back because, like, I, again, I couldn't remember myself who had been up for it, but I did find some names. Ooh. And so Terrence Stamp, uh, the original General Zod from the Superman films, mm-hmm. um, apparently he was up for, for the role. He later played Stick in Electra. So the blind man that helps Daredevil become Daredevil. Um, He ended up playing that character. Mm -hmm. And, and so says the rumor mill, the king of pop himself, Michael Jackson apparently wanted to play professor X Mm -hmm. Um, because he's a, he was a huge fan of the comics back in his heyday. Uh, Stan Lee, however, recalled the scenario a little different and said that Michael Jackson wanted to be Spider-Man. And so we've talked about that before and, Let's just say none of it happened. Um, but aside that, uh, yeah, there's that, that. that's about it. Terrence Stamp is about it. And then it just went straight to Patrick Stewart. But in the future, it could be Giancarlo Esposito 
Saw that. Yeah. AKA Moff Gideon from The Mandalorian, speaking of, as well as Gustavo Fring from Breaking Bad, who is my favorite character from that show. Um, yeah, so apparently he's expressed great interest in taking the helm in the future of the X-Men films or whatever the character may be featured in. Um, if Sir Patrick Stewart should not return. That's interesting. That's definitely interesting. Yeah, and you know, at first I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. Like, I think he has the chops to play that character. Yeah. But I was like, um, maybe like not a carbon copy of what we're used to, right? Yeah. But then I saw a fan Photoshop of him <laughs> of like as Professor X. And yeah. I was like, actually, yeah. He looks great. Like he could be bald if he really needed to be. Mm-hmm. Him in the hover chair. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so so why not? Um, but yeah, I would love to see Giancarlo. He's incredible. Mm-hmm. He's an incredible actor. So so why not? Um, as for suggested reading, dudes, I mean, I'm not even gonna... She she listed a bunch throughout the episode. Yeah, I was like, and that was just like surface level, right? Fatal attractions. <laughs> See? See? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all the, all the big hits, you know, the original Uncanny X-Men, you want to go a little deeper, go into Jim Lee's X-Men Series 2 1992 edition. Uh, of course, Fatal Attractions. Uh, there's Executioner's Song. There's a bunch of different titles. Um, just look up X-Men uh, and look for the, the heavy hitters. And that's what you should be reading. As well as, I'm going to say it because it is very controversial, House of X by, you know, Hickman. Uh, <laughs> and that's the newer stuff. A, a lot of the stuff that Hickman has wrote, uh, people are like, mm, the X-Men are weird now. But you know what? <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed it. Way to go, Jonathan Hickman. Let's go. Um and so with that said, that's the end of the show. Woo! Oh! Damn. <laughs> I feel like there's so much like so much. more that you left out. I did. There's <laughs> so much. There's just too much. Too much, you know, like, like we he's could a very like like he's a very just like prominent, strong character. Like he mm-hmm. is the leader of leaders. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like you have like the leader of the Avengers, you have the leader, yeah, you know, what, what, what the, the Justice League. Then mm-hmm. you have you know P- Professor X, yeah, leader of the X Men, yeah. Because again, you know, and we didn't even go into the fact that he has crossed over with the Avengers. He he is part of the Illuminati. Yeah, like all that stuff. We didn't talk about any yeah. of that, you know. And it's because he is such a vast wealth yes. of of backstory. It's Just like, know he is a powerful person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he has wisdom yep. like no other mm-hmm. and very strong. Even though he may be in a wheelchair, he will mess you up. Yeah, unless you're... And he will get into your head. Unless you're Wanda Maximoff. Yeah. Because she did take him out yeah, pre- well, pretty hefty. Just don't piss off Wanda yeah. Maximoff and you'll be fine. Yeah, but yeah, you know, really quick, going back to Doctor Strange, for instance, I mean, imagine, uh, well, not even imagine, but re- recall the excitement when people figured it out, like, that's Professor X. Yeah. Like the internet went ballistic. Insane. And then he was just like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, I didn't realize I was such a big deal, but yeah, yeah I guess that's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like people figured out that it was his ear. Yeah. Which his is shoulder. Like, it was his, his shoulder. shoulder. Yeah. Oh, incredible. We should tell him the truth. <laughs> you, will, you don't think people are going to like, uh, like know that's you? Yeah. Or figure out that's you? I mean, I didn't until you saw me. And I was like, because I saw yeah, it and then dude. I heard it and then I went on Twitter, obviously. Oh my god! And then god. I was like, "Yeah, it might be." Yeah. I wanted it so bad, I didn't believe that it was real until it was like full on right in front of me. I was like, "Oh my god!" We should tell him the truth. We should tell him. And then the friggin', truth. you know, John Krasinski just popping up. You know, oh like, my god, made my life. 
Reed Richards here. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So yeah, that's the end of the show, guys. Our next episode. Um, we haven't 100% made it concrete yet, but it will be another character study, perhaps one from our polls that we have recently put up, True. either on Patreon or social media. True. So if you see a poll, make sure you give a vote. Um, that said, a We Are Groot salute to Ed, Tyler, Jenny, Robin, Ashley, Joe, Liz, Ariel, Eve, Nats, The Arachnid, Katie, Laura, Andrew, Choco, MG2112, that one's always fun, Claire, Melanie, and Andrea. Follow us on social at S-T-R-K-C-N-T-R-S-T. And if you like what you hear, please review, rate, and subscribe. Once again, thank y'all for tuning in, and we will catch you in the next one. See ya. Bye. Bye. You did it. Did what? Logan, don't you have a class to teach? A class to teach? Ah, history. History. Actually, I could use some help with that. Help with what? Uh, pretty much everything after 1973. I think the history I know is a little different. Welcome back. It's good to see you, Charles. It's good to see everyone. Well, I had a promise to keep.